This is bad country. Get in. Did just I say, say that? that? Just think it. 24 hours ago, we were sitting in the Pogo Lounge at the Beverly Heights Hotel. Yeah. Mm. Want me to go to Las Vegas at once? Went swimming. A fucking reptile zoo. Two women fucking a polar bear. <laughs> and Dr. Gonzo was gone. He must have sensed trouble. Didn't you get my telegram? Uh... <laughs> Bad flashbacks. Get over there! There he goes, one of God's own prototypes. A high-powered mutant of some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, and too rare to die. Good afternoon, Square and Squareettes. Welcome to another episode of Square Waves FM. For, today is episode number 47, or if you prefer, episode 2 of season 2. I don't I'm prefer. your host, Bianca, and I have my co-host with me, Brian. Hi. Hi. I like Squareettes. That's a nice touch. That's a new one. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, hi, guys. I'm going to assume that we have both male and female listeners. Oh, yes. Let's do that. I'm kind of <laughs> proud, as a matter of fact, that we've had a pretty good ratio of guests Gender-wise, at least. Yes, that's, that's a cool except touch. we've had quite a few repeats, though. Yeah, that's okay. We love our repeats. We appreciate, <laughs> we appreciate when anyone can tolerate us long enough to uh, see to talk to us again. Yep. And we appreciate you all listening to us. I promise everyone uh, a good portion of my attention as I record this show today because I have acquired a brand new toy just today off of Kijiji. Kijiji is a Canadian-only thing, isn't it? Yes, it's um, basic. It's the Canadian version of Craigslist. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Craigslist. I think we have Craigslist here too. I forgot about that site. We it's do have it here, but Kijiji, online classifieds, yeah. basically. Hey, but Kijiji is more of a Canadian thing, and it's more popular. Yeah. So my new toy is the HP Stream Eight. It's a Windows eight point one tablet. Uh, what's interesting about it is that it's not the the neutered Windows RT tablet. It actually runs the full desktop version of Windows 8.1 on it. And it's also eligible to upgrade to Windows 10, which I plan to do. So pretty neat little device. I'm, uh, I'm just installing some updates now, and uh, I'm going to install Windows 10 as soon as it prompts me. So I'll, I'll try to keep the lion's share of my brain focused on talking to you fine folks while I... Stare at a progress bar. I love staring at glowing rectangles. It's what I do best. You are a glowing rectangle. Mm. (laughs) So, before we uh, get into the pre-show, for those of you uh, who saw our tweet, you know that we're talking about game design again today, but from a different perspective. We're talking about um, game ideas that uh, we'd love to see uh, happen, but haven't already happened. Basically, taking... The, uh, taking the concepts of uh, existing shows and books, movies that we'd love to see as games and uh, imagining what kind of game they would be. Did we, that was our idea initially, but did we end up writing down anything other than books? Yes, I put an anime on the list. Oh, yes, you did. Well, an anime which started as a book. Well, it started as a manga. Manga. Mangas are books. It's a graphical book. Well, let's call it, let's call it uh, game design from books today, shall we? Uh, sure. Although I prime, I saw it first as an anime, so I didn't, I didn't, I didn't read manga originally. I started off watching anime. Ah, fair enough. So I'm considering it to be an, I'm considering it to be Japanimation before manga. Is that term still used, Japanimation? Sounds like something my dad would say. I know it would, but I'm just using this for um, 
just as a point of reference, since I am going to, since most people have heard me use anime, and you could use that for a lot of stuff, just to give it a point of reference for its origin. Okay. Okay. By the way, while we're talking about uh, dadisms, there's one that I want to share. Okay. For my dad. So my dad is a psychologist. He's a scientist. Mm-hmm. And so, as and long very, as... And very smart and uh, great to listen to. Unless you're talking about video games, because... Uh, as long as I've been playing video games, at least on uh, with a, a handheld device of some sort, like a controller, he has, he calls a controller a manipulandum. Yeah, that's what he calls any sort of controller. I'm sure that has some sort of a scientific basis or has something to do with experimentation or something like that. But that is just about the nerdiest thing you could call a, a, a controller. Yeah. Huh? yeah, in any game I play, it's a peasant squisher. Oh, yeah, that's right. And any game I play is uh, Killing Nazi Dogs, <laughs> according to my dad. Yep. Although I played a hell of, hell of a lot of Wolfenstein 3D around him, so that's where that comes from. And you played a lot of... Age of Empires and Warcraft. Yeah, my uh, it was actually my dad who bought me my Warcraft 2 chest. Oh, so that's a, and, pe- that's a peon squisher, not a peasant squisher. That's a peon squisher if you're playing the orc, but it's peasants if you play humans. And I play, I primarily played the humans. Oh, that's right. I was, I was alliance from the start. Is there a difference between a peasant and a peon? Yes, the peasants go, yes, my lord. The peasant and the uh, peons go, zug, zug. Well, that's true. I mean, more from the dictionary sense than from the Chris Metzen lore uh, sense. Well, yeah, one's green, one's flesh-colored. Okay, I'm sorry I asked. Jeez, lady. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you got your toy, and you're going to try and pay attention. Yeah. So, on to the pre-show. Oh, yeah. we And for our pre-show, we have some awful Star Wars RPG uh, Kickstarter, which was thankfully canceled. Yeah, this is the only thing I put on for the pre-show today. Uh, maybe you guys heard about this. This was nuts. Um, a guy named Devin Tripp from uh, the USA posted on Kickstarter a project initially called Star Wars RPG, which he re- later renamed to Star Wars-like. LP, RPG with like in double quotes. And he had a big Star Wars logo on it. Uh, it was basically, and he was asking for $200,000. He's like a, he's a 20 year old kid who has never made a game before uh, asking for $200,000 for someone else to make this game. He would be like a, I don't know what he would be. He'd be like a project manager or something like that. I the guess artistic the idea. visionary. Yeah, I guess In other so. words, he'd, uh, George Lucas all over the damn thing and ruin it. Well, not even. I mean, he was about 45 steps away from being George Lucas. He just True. wanted to take somebody else's intellectual property and make a game out of it, which, I mean, if he's asking for money, presumably it was going to be a commercial game, which was absolutely destined to fail. I mean, is there a more litigious company on Earth than the Walt Disney Corporation? I kind of doubt it. So I wanted to share this little saga with you guys uh, for posterity. It no longer exists, this thing, and I'll talk a little bit about that. But um, uh, I'll put a link. Well, I guess I uh, – let me click it. I don't even think putting a link is going to do anything. I think it's gone. <laughs> he renamed it again, I see, now that I click it, to Open World RPG, quote-unquote, like Star Wars <laughs> game. And in oh my parentheses, cancelled. Uh, How the hell did this guy misspelled. get 118 backers and 18,000 pledge before it was cancelled? Oh, well, it made the rounds, and I'm sure it made the rounds around social media and stuff. I'm pretty sure that people were trolling him in that they signed up for the highest sponsorship tier and then would pull it out at the very last second. Mm-hmm. That's a, kind of an unfortunate thing that people do to troll Kickstarter. 
sometimes they get a, 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 someone who's looking for funding all excited and then they pull out at the last second. That's ter- that's terrible. It is terrible. But this guy is. But some people, I'm not, I'm not saying he, that people deserve it, but I can kind of see how they would think this guy in particular deserves it. But I think people who are honestly who are doing it because they honestly have something to contribute. I think it's unfortunate that people would troll those kinds of people. For example, the ones who did Orion Trail, Star Citizen, anything like that, where they have an original idea or they, or at least an, an attempt at an original concept. Yeah. You're right. It's not a nice thing to do by any means. It's it sends a a positive message initially to some hardworking people, and then kind of pulls the rug out from under them. So that's a real shame. So that's what I suspect the meager contributions that this guy got may have been, just because he sold a disproportionate number of the highest tier, which was fifteen hundred dollars. Uh, anyway, I wanted to read this uh, description. It's like three paragraphs long. Oh um, gosh. Oh, this looks so pathetic. I, I, beg, I skimmed over this. It's really stupid. It's pretty stupid. It's full of typos. It's really lame. Just someone who would ask for $200,000 for it to be this unprofessional is just like absolute naivete. So, Do we for, get a phonetic reading too? So, no, Well, I'll, I'll, <laughs> don't worry. I'll make fun of his misspellings. I mean, okay, I, good. I mean, I do it phonetically. So before I read the description, I'll just read his about the author uh, page. It says, hi. I am Devin Tripp. I am 20 years old and I have owned businesses ranging from clothing to stocks. I have learned and changed a lot in such short time. There is still much to learn and I know that I am better prepared for the future to come. So that's uh, as much as we know about the person who created oh, this what Kickstarter. Oh, what a turd. I hate him already. Well, he's 20 years old and he does nothing. He's done nothing and he has ambitions. Good for you for having ambitions, pal, but yeah, that's about he right. wants to start at the top. And that's that's gonna garner a, a pretty strong life lesson reminder from the general public. So uh-huh. nobody starts at the top. Even people born with a silver spoon in their mouth, if if they start at the top, people hate them. They have to start at the bottom too, or pretend to start at the bottom so they don't get hated. That's right. Well, he's clearly an enthusiast who is very naive and doesn't understand the effort and talents and hard work involved in making a game. Mm-hmm. So here's here's the original uh, description of his Kickstarter. Uh, which I will read uh, with with uh, pointing out any misspellings. So about this project. Like many of us, when we were kids, we wanted to be like Luke Skywalker or Obi-Wan Kenobi, misspelled. But like all of us, we do not live in a galaxy far, far away. There might be another way, though. With all the open-world RPGs out there, how is there not a good one for Star Wars? I have decided to take matters into my own hands and write a story in the Star Wars universe that will fit inside a RPG video game. I am uh. currently looking into talking with Disney if I am able to do this. If not, then there might have to be a compromise on the name or some other parts. I need your help. I am not a very good programmer, and I am not even... And I am an even worse artist. Oh, this so, oh, this really instills a whole bunch of confidence in me. I know. I want to put this project into the hands of professionals, but in order to do that, I need money to hire them. This was my dream as a kid. I hope you can share my same compassion. Oh. Compassion? Thank you. Oh, oh, this hurts. This hurts. There are many people out there that have the wrong Im- image when they think about this game, so I will go into deep detail as much as I can to get people more excited about this. As I know, there are other very good games over Star Wars, but within the bounds of good taste, I believe that these RPGs over Star Wars have not reached their full potential. 
I do not feel immersed in these games. I'm not talking about a 1995-2005 game that could be created in a month or two. I am talking uh. about a Star Wars RPG that will completely blow people away, like Fallout 4 or The Witcher 3 did. These RPGs set the benchmark of how the future of RPGs should look, and they are a good blueprint to go on. I want to make something that is like this in some respects, but goes even further. It will have the graphics of Battlefront or better, with the feel of The Witcher 3. Reminder that he's asking for $200,000. It's true, but even still. Well, that is... That's like the the price of two employees that created those games. That's the price of like two employees for one year that created those games. And those games were made by dozens of people for years. The game and story will also have a lot of choice. You'll be able to choose which side you would like to be on. You can be evil and reside on the dark side and rule the galaxy as you wish. Or you could also bring peace about the galaxy. Both in their own respects have their perks. Speaking of perks, like Fallout 4, there might or might not be perks in the game. I want to take a fucking red pen to this dance. I know, Ah. really. At least not the same as they are in Fallout. (laughs) I do not want to give away much about the story, but I will give away that you do not start out as a Jedi, but later become one. Of course. As you progress, your skills get better as your ability to use the Force. No kidding. (laughs) (laughs) It is very exciting that I have already gotten backers. I will be providing updates every couple of days and answering any questions that you might have. I'm still answering others, so please be patient. Also, no promises, but the backers that give for the $60 reward will get the game a day or two before original release. Thank you, Devin Tripp. Uh, Risks and challenges. Copyrights. Pleasing all Star Wars fans. Hiring professionals. Those are definitely challenges. (laughs) So that's the whole... That's his whole pitch. Unlike other uh, Kickstarter projects that give you uh, samples of art and maybe give you a prototype and tell you about uh, estimated delivery dates and milestones and all these other things. That is the entirety of his whole pitch. Uh, the infamous uh, the infamous uh, Jim Walls pitch for his like police quest-like game had about ten times more detail than this thing did. Even Orion Trail had ten times more than it did, and it was just a little diddling... Point A to point B kind of game with some uh, with little hops in between. Mm-hmm. It had way more information than this. Yeah, it really did. So it's it's just absolutely amateurish, naive. Um, I mean, you're free to do something like that. You're free to ask for two hundred thousand dollars. But if you're going to open yourself up like that with your real name on the project, then you're going to deserve whatever uh, responses you get. And they got a lot of responses. One uh, interesting response that I did not expect was from Kotaku, who I'll put a, a link to this in the show notes. Their story is called Bless This Sweet Little Star Wars Kickstarter. So they found it cute, and they kind of encouraged this behavior. And I don't really know why. I mean, maybe they're just kind of celebrating the naivete that a person could have to think that this could turn into a thing but uh, I'll, I'll leave it to you guys I read the article I don't really remember much of it but they have a little was this the one I think this is the one where they had a little chat with the creator yeah they do have a chat with the creator and he kind of responds to some of the criticism he's had he responds to specifically to the criticism of all of his typos including the names of the major characters of the game in his description saying oh I was typing it on my phone and I wasn't really paying attention 
So that's his defense. Oh, that is so pathetic. I know. I mean, I go out of my way to make sure I don't even have that I don't have a typo in a text. Yeah. I, I delete tweets for having the for having a misplaced comma. I know. And he's doing an activity, posting a Kickstarter. Uh, uh, pitch is something that people tap hire. in hand. Well, that's yeah, money. They ha- people hire professionals to find out how to do this the right way, and he did it very half-assed. Yeah, I'm looking at the one a uh, project that I backed recently, and I already received uh, my uh, the uh, thing for, mm. and it has images, way more text, and it was only for, and it was only asking for money for a reprint. Due to popular demand, and it has way more. Yeah, so a reprint is like a person with a proven track record of success and finishing a project, asking for a specific goal. This person asked for a small amount of money on your Kickstarter, and they got about five times as much as they were asking for because they're like a, a sure thing, basically. Yep, and and just pointing out that they had all these images, they had all this other stuff there. Yeah, so that's what you do. You don't ask for Kickstarter funds unless you are a proven. Unless you have something to back yourself up. Like, well, I mean, I'm not going to tell Demos, people what to do or what not images, to do. Images, a, co- a whole concept. Mm-hmm. Well, what I keep reading if you want, about people, uh, for people who want to uh, work permanently and like professionally in the games industry, the way you apply to a company is you show them what in your pitch, you, t- you show them what you've successfully completed. And the more, the better. Not just what you've started or what you've planned on paper, but what you have successfully shipped. That's what you have to be able to proof to them so this guy it sounds like he had written a few android apps but no games and nothing whatsoever of such a scale he's he's just an amateur so to that kotaku story anyway i got two uh i read there were a whole bunch of responses flying all over twitter but two of them uh i thought were the most interesting one was from tyler wild who is a senior or executive editor at pc gamer magazine uh he says I mean, yeah, he did something, but he didn't really try hard. It's like an F-plus attempt at best. I think it's sweet, too, and all, but the difference between this and a post in a GameFAQs forum isn't much, and you wouldn't praise the latter. So that's criticizing Kotaku for their positive reflection on this uh, Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And the other uh, the other one, which is a very good quote from uh, Will O'Neill on Twitter, he says... The idea that Devin Tripp is reaching for his dreams is an insult to everyone who has ever reached for anything. Mm-hmm. So I think that's very true. This is just somebody that said, I feel like throwing some shit into the wind and see what sticks on what. So that's not really, that's it's not a really educated endeavor. Yeah. It's one thing to to have no prior experience doing a big undertaking, but to have some experience doing smaller projects and saying, okay, I'm going to undertake this much larger project with this outcome. Yeah. For example, if Will O'Neill, who has, who's produced actual sunlight decided to do a much bigger game, he would uh, obviously have a good track record to go on and be able to say, okay, I want, you know, a hundred thousand to do a a full graphical version of actual sunlight Mm -hmm. and not just, you know, the text and have properly animated characters. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. So anyway, um, I think less than a week later, later, this guy, yeah, it is less than a week later, this guy, Devin Tripp, canceled his Kickstarter. So I want to read the letter that he wrote about canceling the, the Kickstarter. He says, hello, everyone. I'd like to start off by saying I'm sorry to Disney for using their logo and name. Having said that, I find it very disturbing that you want to report me to them as if they didn't already know. You truly want to see some 
be in debt for the rest of their life, W-R-E-S-T, because they had a dream for a video game that they never created. Very selfish and very ironic. Disney was created because Walt Disney had a dream, was it not? I find it ironic because on a lot of the news and the forums, there was a quote from something I said. It read, I have talked to Disney and they have informed me to contact LucasArts. LucasArts is spelled wrong. I believe most of you said, quote, that's like a father telling the kid to go ask their mother because they do not want to deal with them. <laughs> Yet I received emails from random people basically telling their dad to send me to timeout because they don't like me. He really writes like a child, doesn't he? Secondly, I'm taking this Kickstarter down myself. Disney has not contacted me to tell me to shut it down for those of you who think you own Disney. <sighs> Uh, for those of you who think you own Disney, I'm taking this Kickstarter down. Kickstarter is misspelled because I very much respect Disney and I do not want to, this to get too big. He was asking for 200 grand. I love all their Pirates of the Caribbean movies. I always wanted to be Captain Jack, <laughs> but I think Mr. Depp is too good to be replaced. I have faith that somewhere in the future, a game like the one I described will be made by Disney, EA, Lucasfilms, Bioware, or whoever is going to do it. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Knights of the Old Republic, Knights of the Old Republic 2. There's been, I know, the oh, Old Republic, MMO, the, the Old Republic, mm -hmm. MMO, I know. Uh, thirdly, I know my spelling and grammar sucks, but all you need is the force and you will do okay in life. Ugh. Ugh. I wrote the entire thing it's on like my phone. You need religion and you'll be okay. I wrote, I wrote the entire thing on my phone while in Childress, Texas with a one bar, J-U-A-N. My one bar? Like I'm going to wave it around and catch I my magic spell, bibbity bobbity boo. I don't know. <laughs> So I did not care for spelling mistakes because of that, and I really didn't think I'd actually be doing this. Wait, that was a sentence. So I did not care for spelling mistakes, comma, because of that, and I really didn't think I'd actually be doing this, period. Um, as many of you pointed out, I am highly unqualified. The point of this whole Kickstarter, spelled correctly, is... Do not let your dreams be dreams. Don't say tomorrow, but, uh, just do it. Devin Tripp, but, uh, thanks for all the backers. It made this whole thing extra funny. Uh, how can your dreams not be dreams? I mean, even if you actual, even if you, you know, actualize it, I hate um, that word. Yeah. It's still a dream that you have. I don't know, man. So this is, a, this is really pathetic. It's pathetic. Sorry, guys. I don't mean to jump down the throat of this naive, well-wishing kid. This person clearly had... The best of intentions. Mm -hmm. Whatever. I don't really need to say any more about it. It's pretty clear what it is and what would have happened. Mm -hmm. It reminds me, though, of Endeavors. To, to Will O'Neill's point, this reminds me of Endeavors like um, the Streets of Rage Streets of Rage remake, which I won't post it again, but uh, search Google for Square Waves FM Streets of Rage. And you'll find I, – I wrote it in the, in the uh, show notes of a previous one. I have it hosted on my on – my, uh, uh, on my uh, web server just because it was taken down. But these people created, they took Streets of Rage 1, 2, and 3. They like took out all the sprites and uh, they found remixed versions of all the songs um, or, or they commissioned them, I'm not sure, and put them into their game. And they recreated this whole game, which is basically like three beat-em-up 
games all into one. They made this incredibly beautiful, polished, extremely like mechanically sound game that was absolutely as good as the very expensive, very professional actual games made by the real developers back in the day. They made this incredible fan project, which they had always intended to release for free. And as soon as they published it, it was taken down. I forget if it was by Sega or Capcom or whoever owned the IP saying that it violates their intellectual property. So it was like a free fan game and it was 100% feature complete. And it was taken down at that point. So I really have to contrast this pathetic Kickstarter with an endeavor like that. Like that's real heartbreak. I'm sure this guy Devin Tripp felt some heartbreak having to do the having to take down his Kickstarter, but these people put in time so much time and effort and had actual talent and Blood, delivered their completed project, which is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. That is such a that's such a, a talent. I have such admiration for people that can finish a project. I'm extremely good at starting something and getting like a quarter of the way in mm-hmm. and stopping it. That's why I'm so proud of myself for finishing that uh, that text adventure that I made, and to both of us for doing a, uh, the Ludum Dort, Ludum Dare games. Yeah, that doing we did. it once, even just once, is good. We particip- We've uh, started stuff for a huge day, mm-hmm. which we've st- and completed. We haven't done it in a long time, but yeah, just starting and finishing, even if you. Even if it's not your best thing. Sure. But then when I think about people like Francisco, especially Francisco, Mm. who has spent like a decade publishing free games and getting better and better and better and remaking his old games and doing lip syncing for some of them, like Francisco and Ben and Trolls and and, uh, Anthony, who was our uh, our guest uh, uh, several episodes back, Mm -hmm. uh, people like that who actually conclude, finish a game. And even if it's a simple little thing, yeah. To put on those finishing touches and to publish it and to call it complete. That is such a rare skill and such like it's such a testament to real talent and actually loving and caring what you do about what you do. Like that's something I admire very, very much. So kudos to you real game developers out there. You're the ones who deserve two hundred thousand bucks. Yeah. Not this schmo. Mm-hmm. Christine Love is another example of that. She had free games. She's uh, mm-hmm. and she's come al- and her games have come a long way. I can't wait to see her new one and uh, Lady and Lady Killer. Oh, you want to you want to look up the full name to that ridiculous oh, title? I, I even title? looked it up. Yeah, it's so stupid. Let's see. Here we go. Lady Lady Killer in a Bind is the short title. Yeah, that's the short title, folks. Long title incoming. If my web browser ever loads. Yeah, come on, Google. What's up? Yeah. In the meantime, uh, do we have any... Uh, oh, I think we have some letters. from. Uh, oh, Christmas. shit. Is our internet down? I don't think so. Looks like... Oh, of course. There it goes. Our Wham. internet's down. Fuck. Okay. Oh, well. At least we don't have a guest this week. We are, we were supposed to have two guests this week, by the way. Robert yeah. and Edwin, right? Uh, yeah. Robert and uh, and Edgar. Edgar. I know it's ED something. Yeah. I, I, my apologies. We were supposed to have them as our guests this week, but uh, we had a scheduling snafu. My dear grandmother from Winnipeg is uh, in town visiting, and of course I wanted to prioritize that. So, hi, Nana. It was such a pleasure to see her a couple of times, and I'm going to see her for lunch again mm-hmm. tomorrow. And I was such dragged a... along kicking and screaming to you two were, family My dear, dinners. you were... An... You were an array of sunshine. I was not a array of bloody sunshine. I was miserable the whole time. I well, hated it. you made everyone happy with your presence I didn't, and conversation. Didn't do anything to make them happy. Okay, shut the hell up, yeah, you, you, you flaming wildebeest. <laughs> Rant. Rant. Okay, so restarting the modem. Oh, 
It's great. It's great having a my my podcasting co-host live in the flesh here for a variety of reasons, especially because you're within squeezing range, but also because we don't need to rely on our crappy ass internet. Although this is the first time it's gone down in ages. I know it's your fault. You're the one who just said, "Oh, our internet hasn't gone down for months now." <laughs> you just said that yesterday, so that's why it's gone going down now. You're begging for it. Okay, so why don't we uh, read a letter before I get, and then I'll try and get this uh, thing to load, and I'll tell our listeners the full title. Okay, word. Okay, so we have a letter from Avi Hayun. Hi, Avi. He um, writes. Oh, you're going to read it? Yeah. Awesome. He writes, hi, B&B. Beep. Beep. Just wanted to drop a line saying that I like the new format of the podcast. One caveat, though. If you talk about games you played the last week in the episode without a guest, then we won't hear the games the guest that played the previous week. Oh, yeah. So have no fear. We will most certainly discuss that with our guests. We're sort of finding our groove about what every other episode is going to be like, the ones without guests. Mm -hmm. But we definitely want to ask our guests what they've been playing. That's integral to our, our yeah. format, we think. We'll try and find a way to keep it short. And if you guys have an opinion of what you'd like to hear each Please. week, by all means, let yeah. us know. Um, we don't know what we're doing. No, of course not. He continues. In the bottom of the show notes of last of the last show, episode 46, following link, he wrote, this is for the, uh, the previous episodes where we talked about The Sims. Oh, yeah, the following link is bad, only the first one. Yeah, sorry, I, uh, if there's one guy who is like our, our uh, editor <laughs> of our uh, written notes uh, and our posts, it's Mr. Hayun. So, uh, Avi, we really appreciate uh, you uh, picking through and actually clicking all of our links. Uh, we fixed uh, the link. We fixed the link that uh, he pointed out. Mm-hmm. It's not the first time he's done that, yeah. so I really appreciate it. Oh, and so he says, Happy New calendaric year, Avi. So that was an interesting thing. I know that Avi lives in Israel, and so I was curious uh, and asked him, uh, since he brought up the words calendaric year, um, do do uh, people tend to celebrate December 31st, January 1st in Israel? I was very, uh, genuinely curious. So he wrote a, a thoughtful answer, which cleared it up for me. So Avi says, everyone likes a celebration no matter the reason, So lots of Israelis celebrate January 1st as well. But the religious Jews won't celebrate that date as it represents accounts to the birth of Jesus, which said, or his followers, that the Jewish nation is not the chosen nation anymore. Only those who follow Jesus are God's chosen. So the religious guys can't, with good conscience, celebrate that date. That's why I wished you a happy new calendaric year in order to take the religious context out of the wishing as I am a religious Jew. Rosh Hashanah, on the other hand, is celebrated by almost all of the Jews. Nobody goes to work on that day and all stores are closed. So thanks, Avi. I was, I was curious about that. That's really interesting. In uh, uh, the Jewish faith, Rosh Hashanah, that translates literally to head of the year. That's the Jewish uh, calendar, New Year. And the Jewish calendar has been around almost three times as long as the... The, the what do you call the Julian calendar? Because then thank you the Julian calendar. Yeah, it's and almost then, the year six thousand, I think fifty nine something. Mm-hmm. In the, yeah, the Jewish calendar, the actual, but uh, I, the the, the Christians don't consider New Year's any having anything to do with Jesus. It's uh, December twenty fifth, and then uh, around between the seventh, sixth, and seventh of January, which marks the start of um, the if if. The mark of the epiphany, season of the Epiphany. Oh. Or Epiphantide. What was the Epiphany? Dude, where's my car? 
<laughs> no, um, it had to do with um, marking of the fact that Jesus is is God, the Son of God, the whole Holy Trinity, and, you know... Oh, it took them, like, six days to figure that out? Of course, and, no, because he's supposed to have been born on the 25th. It's marks when the wise men came, bearing uh, gifts of uh, mirror... Uh, mirror, frankincense, and... And uh, gold, because... Game Boy? Yeah, because they have no ability to coordinate, and that's the <laughs> when they walk to the stupid star. Oh, yeah. What's myrrh? I don't know, but I know that, according to South Park... It's the uh, Christian equivalent of the platinum album. <laughs> oh, oh remember, yeah, that's right. You know, f remember when uh, they make a when uh, yeah, Kanye makes a bet with Kyle? Says and Kyle says, "Fine, when you get platinum, I'll uh, do this." That's right. And instead, he has a big tantrum and reveals that he's not actually Christian and that all he did was take up popular lyrics and just put in Jesus instead of uh, baby. Yeah, that's right. Good episode. Mm -hmm. Any of you guys out there, uh, South Park fans? We've been into. When, when did you get into South Park? Back when it was still taboo with my parents, just like The Simpsons. And I'm sure it still will be. Oh, it yeah. hasn't gotten any less offensive. It's oh, yeah. gone the other direction. Mm -hmm. I watched it with my godmother, whose first language is French and has and has weak and didn't have the best English. So she didn't seem to be offended by it because I don't think she understood a lot of what they like the context of what they said. Mm -hmm. Especially since they bleeped out most of the swears at the time. Oh, that's true. Yeah, me. I I found out about. South Park, I don't know if it was the very beginning, but it was when it was like a little short movie, The Spirit of Christmas, that was just available for download. It was like a five-minute movie, and the downloads back then, it was like eight megabytes for oh, five yeah. minutes or something. Yeah. It was like the most pixelated, dirty crap, but it was so funny. Yeah. I found out about it. Yeah, through, swearing. Yeah, I found out about it through my cousin. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I found about it out about it from my uh, old uh, BBSing friends, who mm -hmm. we had since then moved on to the internet. Mm -hmm. And, okay, that's about it for now. Is our internet back? Nope. Still thinking. Uh, let's hit refresh and see. No internet. I'm already getting the quivers. <laughs> okay, oh, well, so. Oh, it's down, down. Mm -hmm. Weather's looking kind of foul out there. It's Oh, it's snowing. It went from rain to snow today. Sweet. Yep. So what did you play this week? We'll just take a quick couple of minutes to talk about that. Okay. I, I didn't play that many games this week. How the hell did I manage that? I bought a few more games after uh, I bought a few more games after the Steam sale concluded. I don't even remember now. Let me look at my my recent list. There were a bunch of games that were about a buck each or that were inexpensive. I got what the hell is this? Ring Runner Flight of the Sages. It looked like some sort of like an open world uh, freelancer privateer wing commander kind of a thing, but it's like uh, third-person, omniscient, uh, like, top-down kind of a thing, or side-scroller. Uh, it, looked, it looked pretty neat. I loaded it up for about 48 seconds and realized it had complicated controls and figured I'd try it another time. You I, couldn't even figure out the controls. You were trying to figure out the controls in the menu, and you got annoyed. It had a zillion buttons. I didn't. I wasn't in the mood. Yeah, you couldn't even run the configuration menu. That's how pathetic this is. All right. Then I also purchased TIS-100, which we've talked about before. It was Chris Olson. Hi, Chris. The uh, official uh, airline of uh, Square Waves FM. He's, uh, he's, he's pilot numero uno. He mentioned enjoying He mentioned enjoying this game, TIS-100. It's like an assembler language coding debugging game. I loaded it up, and... The first thing it does is prompts you to, uh, and it says it's highly recommended oh. that you read the manual. 
Oh, did we unplug the cable? Yep, you kicked it. Oh. Your fault. You you uh, you you broke the internet. My bad. Poor internet. Didn't deserve it. Okay. Hopefully, that should fix it. Oh, there we go. I'm Hooray. online. Now. I I need the internet good again. Oh, good. So I, I loaded that up. Um, I clicked the RTFM button, and it's loaded up a PDF file manual, and the manual is like 30 or 40 pages long. And so I said, I'm not in the mood for this either. So I've got one minute plate of that too. Oh, and you, while, while we have our precious internet back, would you like to uh, give us the full name of this game? Of the Christine Love game? Uh, this Okay, so the short name that's highlighted is Lady Killer in a Bind. The full name, which is like three lines that I'm looking at right now, is My twin brother made me cross-dress as him, and now I have to deal with a geeky stalker and a dumb beauty who wants me in a bind. That's that's a name. Yep. That is a name. That's awesome. Yep, I totally want this when it comes out. I'm... I, as I played... I played... Uh, Analog of Hate Story and Hate Plus, and now I like her games. I really want to try this one when it comes out. It looks interesting. Oh, that's super cool. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. um, so what else? I bought a game. Oh, yeah, I played this for a little bit. It's called Cos Cosmophony. Cosmophony. I don't know how you pronounce that. Oh, yeah, it says I have 11 hours played, but that's because I accidentally left the launcher running overnight. <laughs> um it's kind of, it's okay. It's a music game. I was hoping it would be more rhythm-based, but it's just kind of, it's pretty well actually synchronized with the music. It kind of has a feel like audio surf to it, but it only works with uh, the music that it comes with. Oh, shoot. The, I, I, it came with the soundtrack for free, which is awesome. Um, damn it. Soundtrack is by, I want to give his name, because it's an awesome, like, jungle drum and bass kind of a soundtrack. It's really quite good. I think that must be what sold it to me. Um, come on. Well, you could always just uh, click to view. Um, so go to properties. Oh, let's go to the store page. Yeah. Is this the right game? I want to mention this guy by name because I love this soundtrack. This is take. This is gonna take a while. You know, DJ Salaryman. Uh, That's a pretty unfortunate name, but he makes up for it with his excellent drum and bass uh, skills. I like the soundtrack a whole lot. Um, it's a game where uh, you're a little spaceshipy kind of thing, and you can uh, move your your thing into you can move your uh, craft into like one of five different positions with the left and right right arrows, and you have to dodge some objects and shoot other objects with a space bar, um, and it's not completely locked to the soundtrack, but like if you if you press the space bar to shoot whenever the uh, the appropriate sound is coming up in the song, then it it does overlap, but it's not like quantized so that all of your movements are timed exactly with the music. So, so it's, it's kind of weird like that. So it's not exactly like Audio Surf, which is timed to the beat of your music regardless of what you put in. Well, like Audio Surf. All of the obstacles and things that you have to interact with, those are like placed in such a way that it's that it's timed with different sounds in the music. Mm -hmm. But unlike Audio Surf, in Audio Surf, whenever you collide with one of the things that you're supposed to touch or dodge, it goes past you exactly on beat. Whereas this one won't necessarily, depending on the, how you choose to move. It's a pretty good game, but what made me kind of lose patience with it was that on the regular mode, there's a practice mode and regular mode. And on regular mode, if you touch one obstacle, then you die and you have to go back to the beginning of the whole song. And that always frustrates me. I wish you would just lose points or something and still get to hear the whole song. Mm -hmm. That was my 
that was my criticism of Beat Hazard, which is another music synchronized yeah. game. I didn't. I don't like when a game uh, gets in the way of the song. I think a music game should let you get to the end of the song, ideally. Yes. Ideally, yes. I had another game like that where it was very simple, but it let me get to the end of the song, which matters the most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've installed some updates and I'm restarting my Windows 8 tablet. This is a this is a fun little toy. It's uh, a nice toy, and it was amazing to see Windows 8 load onto it. Yeah. Okay, so that's what I didn't play this week, because <laughs> that's what you asked me, right? Yeah, I asked you what you didn't play, because we could go into what I haven't played, and that's a long list, too. Okay, well, what I, what I did play this week was... Um, I played a bunch more of The Sims 4 with the new Get Together expansion pack. Mm-hmm. That's Most, a good expansion pack so it's far. It's a really good expansion pack. It's the expansion pack called Get Together. It adds clubs to the game. Yeah, and it makes socializing actually a lot, a lot less painful. Neither of us were, really enjoyed making social sim before, but now that you have clubs, it's like, okay, I need to fill my social meter. You hit the gather button and all the sims converge on whatever location you want. And, yeah. and and they basically it's like they could have been eating. They dropped their plate and they walk right over to where you summon them. It's amazing. Well, it's 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 smart design because it capitalizes on Sims for Sims 4's ability to let your Sims do more than one activity at the same time. So previously, if you were if you were eating, you couldn't read a book or you couldn't talk. Could you talk? With, I think you could actually talk to people while you're eating. You could, but it didn't. But that was about the only thing. Yeah. But in this one, you can do a few things all at the same time as long as they don't contradict each other. Like, you can sit on the toilet and read a book at the same time, or you can talk to someone you while you're watching TV. You can sit on the TV. toilet and eat at the same time. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> the meal on the throne. Yeah. Um, so uh, this capitalizes on that because it allows you to uh, participate in different activities while you're socializing with people, with like-minded people. And you can earn, uh, like, little talent points uh, to your clubs. So yeah. that you can uh, give little bonuses. So, for example, everyone in the club, if you're, if it's a reading club, then everyone in the club can read faster if they're doing it together in the club setting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I uh, took, I took, uh, I had originally joined one of the pre-made clubs. One of them was a DJ club because Spin D- Masters. Spin Masters, thank you, because DJing was one of the new skills in in this expansion, as well as dancing. So, those are pretty good and. Uh, they go nicely together. Yeah, so those, the, there are a few different activities associated with the Spin Masters Club. It was DJing and dancing and I forget what else. Partying or something superficial like that. Mm-hmm. So I uh, convinced the leader of that group to step down and I like usurped his, his clubby throne. <coughs> so I became the leader of that group. And then I was able to modify some of the activities that you get uh, a bonus, uh, bonus uh, for. Mm-hmm. So... What I did was to suit my own needs. Uh, my, my own needs. Um, I kept all of the existing uh, benefits of the club, but I also added some more uh, official club activities, including cooking and cleaning. <laughs> so what uh, what I did was I would party all night with all of my brainless uh, clubber friends. Then I would invite these like seven other people over to my house. <clears throat> I was trying to. Uh, skill up and level up in cooking. So I would go home, I would cook them all like gourmet lobster <laughs> and <laughs> baked Alaska and like and roast squid and all of these amazing gourmet meals to get my points up. I would eat a, a, a few bites of it and then I would fall asleep. And I would, while I was sleeping, everybody else would eat my food and then scrub my house from top to bottom. And, and then I would proceed get, to make more food. So you had plates of grilled cheese and mac and cheese. Yeah, that's everywhere. right. Because cooking was an official uh, was an official activity of the group. 
they would they would like incessantly cook food over and over and over. <laughs> there are plates of food everywhere. People were eating all the time. Well, so there were plates everywhere, but the the people who weren't cooking were cleaning. <laughs> so we had this incredible assembly line of food waste going on while I was sleeping and ga- gaining credits for having such a successful club of everyone participating in the official activities. So that's that is Sims Four anyway. I had a really good time with that yeah. stuff. Um, the only other game that I'll mention that I it was one of the other ones that I bought last week, and I ended up enjoying a lot more than I even thought it would, and it looked like a fun game. It's called Overture. It is a top-down arcade fantasy shooter. It's a lot like Gauntlet or Smash TV or uh, Geometry Wars, like a top-down shooter. I think you can play it like a twin-stick shooter, but I've been playing it with keyboard and mouse, because that's fine. Um, And you just shoot like a whole bunch of enemies, and some of them are tougher than the others. Um, you actually get gear and money and you level up. So that's kind of a, a different thing from that usual sort of shooter. Uh, it's pretty darn hard. I haven't been able to get past the second level, but I'm having a lot of fun with it. Uh, really a lot of fun with it. And one thing that's noteworthy, it has like cool old school kind of, not like pixel art sort of graphics, which are very charming. Um, it's a high resolution game though, and it's a widescreen game, but it has the charming old school kind of pixel graphics. And it has a chiptune soundtrack. And the soundtrack is really, really good. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, sorry, I don't know who the... Oh, I should look it up. Who the... Oh, I have it right here. The, the composer is named Raphael Langoni. Uh, Raphael Langoni Smith. I bought the soundtrack for an extra three bucks just this morning. Because it's really excellent. So I will uh, put a link to that in the show notes. I'm having a good, good time with that. Uh, oh, and it also has different classes that you can play. So the class that I'm having the most luck with is a rogue class, an archer. There seems to be, there's four classes, warrior, archer, magician, and cleric. And uh, those are like the categories of classes. And then there's a whole bunch of subclasses under those. And you just start with one of each subclass, but you can unlock a whole bunch of them. So I assume that you have to play the game better than I know how to, to unlock those subclasses. So that's what I've been playing this week. How about you, dear? Well. I also have been playing Sims 4 and enjoying the new expansion pack. I cre- I didn't like the default clubs, and so I had my uh, my 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 Sims kid create a club that was originally children only. And when the uh, when the uh, club activities were swimming in the swimming pool, so everybody would always come over and we immediately went to the swimming pool. <laughs> then when uh, my Sims were teenagers, I'm like, okay, screw this. It's not going to be kids only anymore. I made it teen and young adults. So the two kid... So the only members that were children, the two that were kids, were unable to continue. So they got kicked out, and I invited uh, some of my I invited my other teen friend to join. Oh yes, yeah, so you changed the the criteria for joining because you can you can set the conditions that have to be true about a person for them to join your club. So they have to be a certain age, or they have to have a certain level of affluence. You can have a no rich people club. You can have people that are only good at washing dishes. You're gonna have People that are only doctors. There's, it's I mean, you, have, you can have combinations of those criteria too. Mm-hmm. Sorry to interrupt. Yep. So I had that, and so I've adjusted it over time, and I'm basically keeping this club and adjusting it to suit my needs. And I have almost I have a lot of stuff unlocked. Um. What else I played? I've also played the uh, the first of four uh, visual novels in a series called East Tower. I played the first one, Akio. Visual novel, that's all you need to know about it. Isn't that the spell in Harry Potter that makes you fetch things? That's Asio. Oh. As in... Uh, as, in as in Mrs. McGonagall has a big Asio? 
Ah, uh, I'm going to ignore you and continue on. Yeah, yeah, that's the smart thing to do. And the other game I played was uh, Emily's Away. Brian talked about this one before, and oh, yeah. I thought it was a pretty cute game. Oh, did you finish it? Yeah. It's a cool, it's a really cool interface, isn't it? It's, like, very immersive. Yeah, it's very immersive, and... Um, I found it interesting that it's like, okay, you click an option and you just mash the keyboard to actually write in your answer. Do you want to dial it back and tell, remind people what the interface for the game is? For those of you who don't remember, the interface is Windows XP and has a basic Windows XP interface with, uh, an, with an AOL Instant Messenger mm -hmm. that you talk to your friend Emily with. And you can either, either be a girl or a guy, depending on how you position yourself. Anyways, so that's that. And so now, I think it's time for us to actually start on our topic before we bore these poor people to death and go over our uh, time limit. Oh, yeah. Okay, good for us. We are determined to stick to our time limit, people. Yeah, so we have about 45 minutes. Let's uh, make the most of it. So mm -hmm. as a reminder, our topic is game design and basically turn what games you would love to see turned... what shows, movies, etc. you would like to see turned into a video game. Mm -hmm. But it seems that we mostly thought about uh, uh, books. books since I don't know why. I thought it was supposed to be books, so I just mentioned books. But uh, It could have been, I mentioned, I put in the topic, but you originally uh, misinterpreted but Bioshock as something you'd like to see. I'm like, Oh, right. Why? That was the one medium I'm not allowed to. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I wanted to re-envision that as a different genre because that's kind of how I always wished Bioshock would have been in the first place. Yeah. But uh, we'll... Let's do that. We'll make that a topic for another day. Mm -hmm. We'll take Thank a game you. and reimagine it as another kind of game. Yep, that's a fun one. Okay, so why you, do you have anything on here you want to start us off with? Okay, I can start. Um, what the hell did I choose these for? This is hard as shit. <laughs> okay, well, I just read a comic adaptation of this book, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas by Hunter S. Thompson. So that's kind of fresh in my mind. So why don't I start with that one? Okay. You saw the movie with me, didn't you? Yes. Oh, that movie made my brain hurt but in a good way nice psychedelic movie if you can uh, procure the means to uh, experience what the uh, characters are experiencing by all means I, I they, they procure some pretty insane stuff not necessarily the insane stuff there but you know something to at least recreate your own experience I suppose so I mean there's one scene I was reminded of by reading the comic where uh, where one of the protagonists made some kind of a deal with Satanists and got, like, the secretions from a human adrenal gland, and that's what they used as a narcotic. Oh, I don't I don't recommend that. That's insane. <laughs> that is insane. So, so, how would you see this, what kind of game would you see this being envisioned as? All right, so I see this as either a walking simulator kind of a game or as an adventure game. And I'm going to try not to cop out and call everything an adventure game because that's really an easy way to turn a book into a, a, a video game. True. Um... But it makes sense in some aspects. So, well, I'll tell. Why don't I summarize the plot of this at least? Okay. Um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, the pro the main protagonist, Hunter S. Thompson. It's uh, like an autobiographical, true story um, of the events surrounding his employment uh, for a couple of gigs with uh, Rolling Stone magazine in the nineteen seventies. Seventies, seventies. Yeah. When was Richard Nixon president? Seventies. Okay. So the first story that he's supposed to cover is a motorcycle race in the desert. And the second story he's supposed to cover is this uh, conference of police officers um, and uh, talking about drug and marijuana policy. Um, this uh, guy, Hunter S. Thompson, um, he, he 
<laughs> it consumes copious amounts of like every drug imaginable while he's on the job and enjoys his his brief uh, oases of sobriety actually typing down the note the rough notes that he's written so at least for the motorcycle race aspect that's that's like a tenth of of uh, his whole story of the actual process of capturing the information and participating in Las Vegas at this time. So the story starts off with them on the highway. Uh, by them, I mean Hunter S. Thompson and the guy who is introduced as his attorney, but I don't really know whether it's actually his attorney. Mm -hmm. um, the two of them are driving down the highway in a rented, uh, a rented convertible with a trunk absolutely full of all kinds of Drugs, cocaine, and LSD, and marijuana, and uh, and amyl nitrate, and all of these like really serious uh, uh, substances that are mind altering. Mm -hmm. And of course, driving down the highway, they're already high on this stuff. Going into backcountry. That's right. We and can't, uh, we isn't can't stop Johnny here. Depp the one who plays? Um, he plays Hunter S. Thompson in this movie. one. Yeah, he's also played by Bill Murray in another movie, Where the Buffalo Roam, which I think takes place after this one, but it was made before. Okay. Anyway. Um, uh, I can see opportunity driving driving down a, a long straight highway in the desert, a very boring, featureless highway in the desert, while uh, on psychedelic drugs under the influence of uh, of hallucinogens. That kind of translates pretty literally into a, a video game. I can yeah. see that as and then depending on your speed, the way and then depending on how fast you drive, the the scene would change. Oh, yeah. that's a good idea. The faster you go, the more surreal your surroundings are, mm -hmm. and the less you can re believe your own eyes about what's going on around you. Yeah. That's a really good idea, actually. I like that. Um, so yeah, let's let's run with that. So um, I guess part of the challenge will be you have to get there by a certain uh, by a certain time so that you don't miss your check-in time at your hotel in Las Vegas or something. But you still have ample time to uh, get there, so you don't have to be there early. Sure. Well, if it's enough, if it's a video game, then you have to get there within the time limit, so you have to portray some urgency. So I guess the challenge then will be to determine which obstacles are imagined and which obstacles are real, what's actual traffic, and what is something, some construct of your mind. Yeah. And you'll have to, like, dodge obstacles uh, that are that are real and ignore obstacles that are not. That's awesome. That would be a good idea. That would make it for an interesting uh, interpretation of the uh, book or that, movie. It kind of strikes me. Uh, I'm going to – I'm going to – Go back to all of these adventure game tropes I know, but it strikes me as a classic Sierra pointing click mini game, one of their much despised video games. I'm kind of thinking of two of them, one of which was mentioned on Twitter recently by Trolls, I suppose. It being a, a Space Quest game, it was from Space Quest One, where you're on this kind of a skimmer uh, hovercraft kind of a thing, and you have to race. It's like a behind the craft perspective, and you have to dodge obstacles while racing to the finish line. Yeah. Or I'm thinking of Leisure Suit Larry 3, which has a mini game where you have to ride a log that's going down rapids, and you have to dodge left and right to get past the rapids. It could be something like that. Maybe it's a top down spy hunter kind of a, a perspective. Uh, but that's one part. That's just that's just uh, on the way to the story, even starting. Um, and they pick up a hitchhiker as well, but uh, may maybe that could be a fun conversational mini game with a crazy dialogue tree or something. They end up uh, they end up freaking out the hitchhiker in the story, and he jumps out of their convertible <laughs> and runs away in fear. That's great. <laughs> so there's not really a way that you could win that mm -hmm. in uh, in a game, but uh, who says games have to be won? 
maybe it's something, maybe you could have dialogue trees or something, and there's no way to win. The same outcome always comes, but... Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a, the music, it just has its own uh, quirks to dialogue and how it plays out. It's a funny exchange because... Um, they're all super hopped up on psychedelics, but they're trying to speak normally and convince them this this uh, stranger that everything is fine, and the, they're being all frantic and manic about it. So it's a, a funny kind of dichotomy of moods in, in that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, then they get to Las Vegas, and they have to check into the hotel. This is an awesome scene in the movie as well, where Johnny Depp is trying to speak with the lady at the desk of the hotel, just trying to articulate who he is and what he needs to do. And meanwhile, she's turning into a gigantic lizard beast and the walls and the floors are kind of crawling all over the place and vines are strangling him and stuff. It's really crazy. And then he finally checks in and has to wait at the bar for a while and everybody turns into gigantic uh, alligator lizards and he's in a big swamp where the alligators are like fornicating with each other and snapping at his heels. It's pretty <laughs> terrifying. This is a great comic. I'll, I'll uh, let me make a note of this. Uh, fear and loading comic. I bought it on Comixology for five bucks or something. It was very amusing, and I'll put a link okay. to it. I do recommend it. Um, so checking in at the hotel, that could be another kind of a dialogue tree puzzle, perhaps. You could even do like a maybe a match three kind of a thing, like a Bejeweled-style game where you have to... You have to match certain tiles, like matching matching three things together means that you've said something that makes sense, but you have to avoid... Uh, Mismatches? Well, you, you have to... Let's say you have to avoid... You know how sometimes in a match three, you'll match the three you want, and then it'll make other things plunk into place, and those match as well? That could be a, a metaphor for you losing control of your conversation, slipping away, so you have to kind of be careful to match the three things you intend to without too many other... Unintended consequences, mm-hmm. but if you match just enough, then it's some, then you somehow manage to make a smooth recovery. So if you make a, if you hit a matching number in the chain, you make a smooth recovery. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Or you could have different shapes, and if you just so hap- if it just so happens that you match those shapes, then it's a smooth recovery. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. I like that. This is kind of turning into a mist style thing, I suppose, where you're just wandering around and coming across some situation that you have to figure out how to yeah how to solve it. Um, let me see he gets to the motorcycle race eventually and uh, ob- he observes it for a little while he watches a bunch of bikes take off from the start the starting line and then he talks to some of his fellow journalists and they're all a bunch of like barely paying attention depressing bunch who know that all they're going to do is sit around for eight hours watching every every like hour or something a bunch of motorcycles across the finish line and then go back off into the desert and there's nothing to see so they all just kind of get drunk and, and uh, laze around. So uh, Hunter S. Thompson just kind of hangs out for half an hour, and then he ditches them and gets even higher and goes to casinos and causes all kinds of mayhem. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually he subdues his extremely inebriated compatriot and finds a few quiet hours to actually write his story to uh, justify this all-expenses-paid business trip that uh, I don't know whether his employers were really clear on exactly on what they were, what their expenses were paying for. Um, and then he goes, then he, uh, then he gets super paranoid and decides that everyone in Las Vegas is after him and that the only thing that he could possibly do at this point that makes any sense is for him to skip town. And so he gets in his car and he drives out of town Mm-hmm. So and this could be the way. This could be the way you finish your game, and it could be a quick time sequence. Like you have to uh, 
dodge at the right moment. Like, oh, like we are not going to succumb to quick time, quick time events. I refuse. This is my game. No quick time events in okay. my game. <laughs> okay, but you, it's a valid way of doing it. That's to, for sure. Or maybe you can, or maybe it's a race to get out of town, and you have to drive around obstacles, Mario Kart style. It could be. Yeah, if it's paranoia, let's let's uh, design a racing mini game around paranoia. And the book does keep going on after this, but this would be a good place to end uh, to end this game, I think. Um, if it's paranoia, I guess, uh, let's say you have to keep your distance from cars that you consider to be either police or suspicious people that may call the police mm -hmm. or people that may recognize you that you saw in your travels uh, previously. Mm -hmm. So we could have some kind of recurring characters that you see a few times throughout the game mm -hmm. and you have to recognize their faces uh, while they're driving cars and make sure that you stay uh, at least X number of feet away from them. Otherwise, they call the cops and you have to drive extra frantic to get away from them or something like that. Yep, sounds good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So lots of opportunity, I think, for game design around this this very freeform, peculiar story. The story itself jumps around a bunch kind of chronologically, uh, talking about like the origins and how we got there and, and things like that. So uh, it may be too disjointed uh, temporally to uh, tell kind of a beginning-to-end story in a game. But I think there's lots of opportunities for mini games and for even hidden objects. We could do a hidden object object kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, that's enough said about. Well, you could do that. You know, mm -hmm. I know there was the one scene where they look in the trunk. That could be a hidden object one where you have to find the right drugs you want when they're looking in this trunk. That's very true. That that's kind of what I was thinking too. Yeah. Mm. So, all right. For one. Well, yeah. It's uh. The, let's let's call that a game. Okay. Let's ship it. What what have you got? Oh, I got a few of them. I think we're going to go with. Um, I'm going to go with Divergent off my list. Oh, cool. Because so, this has multiple factions. Um, let's does see. it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess it does. Yeah, you have are you just thinking about are you thinking Candor. Oh, I confused it with Hunger Games. Right. Um, I can't remember all of them. But it has multiple factions. And what, I'm th what I think with this one is each faction has a very specific way that they act. And um, you would pick your faction at the beginning. And the first third or fourth, the first third of the game would be um, just learning about the uh, factions, walking around and going through the initiation after you picked your faction at the choosing ceremony. Mm-hmm. So you, you would do your course, you would have, um, I foresee like a mini game where you have to put, where you get tested for divergence. Oh yeah, it's like the sorting hat. Yeah. Why don't, we, why don't you back it up though and talk a little bit about the beginning of the game and meeting the different factions. How do you foresee that? Who are you? Who is the protagonist? Because um, this is a, this world I think has a good opportunity for you to play a game where you do not play the protagonist of books. Yeah, I know. I'm not, I'm not foreseeing you playing as a, uh, Beatrice or any of the major protagonists. Mm -hmm. I'm foreseeing you know you creating a uh, a character. You can design it you know in the uh, like you might design a character in Sims, follow for any number of those. Mm -hmm. And um, you would pick the house you the type of um, house you start in, whether it's um, Eurydice, Candor. Uh, why can't I remember the other ones? Um, I'm having trouble now too. But basically, the factions were there was like a uh, there's like the militaristic faction. There was the book smart, and uh, and uh, yeah, the, the and like well read faction. 
There was the... Uh, okay, abnegation. Oh, there you go. Abnegation was... Abne- they, these were the uh, selfless uh, people helping the community. They were sort of like... Uh, the do-gooders. So yeah. uh, if you start... They're like the with, Amish, sort of. They yeah. like they work the land and they're selfless and No, gracious. they don't work the land. They're just... They're uh, basically like the... Uh, Didn't they? No, that was the Amnity who worked the land. They were the peaceful oh. ones. The Amnigation were the selfless ones who uh, worked with the poor and uh, were the go- ones who ultimately governed because they were considered uncorruptible. Oh, okay. So if you start as Abnigation, you would... Uh, you're... And it before you be humble, went, right? yeah, you would be humble, and before you went to the choosing ceremony, you would uh, have to help around. You would have to do several uh, tasks to help around the uh, your neighborhood, and then you go and you help out other people. Mm-hmm. As amity, if you chose that, then your uh, task would be to ultimately do all this peacekeeping stuff. You would work on delivery, and you would do uh, tasks to uh, take care of the crops. Candor. This is the honest faction, and so you would probably take part in some uh, object. You would be taking part in something to uh, develop your character as honest and integral. Mm-hmm. Weren't they also the ones who couldn't tell a lie, and so they yeah. were always opening their big fat mouths and saying things they shouldn't? Mm-hmm. So you'd probably have to find a way to diplomatically resolve a quarrel between friends without lying. Mm-hmm. Dauntless. These were the fearless ones. So you, so if you were born into a dauntless faction, ultimately you would have you would uh, be you would have to run around with friends performing uh, feats of agility and strength. So you might uh, start off by jumping off a train and going to school and just running around being all athletic and fearless. Mm-hmm. And finally, Eurydite. So this this is the smart faction, and so uh, you would start off by having to make sure your homework was finished. And doing a bunch of academic-related uh, tasks before the choosing ceremony. Mm-hmm. So I can sort of see this being like an RPG where you choose your class. Because this is basically the same like mishmash of uh, Star Trek aliens. To yeah. Vulcans and Klingons and Ferengi and all that kind of stuff. It's in Bajorans. Yeah. It's pretty much the same kind of archetypes that you'll see in a lot of other stories, right? Yeah. So then you, uh, and then you go into... Uh, your sorting ceremony, or the uh, the, the play, you, where you're checked, where you're tested to see if you fit into your faction before you go into the choosing, and so uh, this would allow you to uh, to do. You would perform random events, and you could, and it wouldn't tell you, you know, this is suited to your faction, and then when you come out of it, it would tell you results if you were matched to your faction or not, and then when you went into the choosing ceremony after, you would be able, you would be free to pick a different class, so you would have a chance to preview. Mm. The first, the first faction when you initially start the game, and then you go in, and then you would, uh, then you would do the uh, simulation to determine where you should go, hmm. and then in the choosing ceremony you could choose to stay where you are or you could go elsewhere. This kind of reminds me a little bit of the beginning of Vampire: The Masquerade Bloodlines, where you can either just start with a character sheet and put points where you want and choose a class and a race and stuff, mm-hmm. or alternatively. You can answer a list of multiple choice questions, which are like, in this situation, you would do this, 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 or that. Yeah. It was the same in uh, Fallout 3, the the GOAT, which I forget, some uh-huh. kind of an aptitude test. Yeah, and, or, you know, pick or creating class in Skyrim. Yeah. Although that's, yeah, there's, in Skyrim, that's right, in Skyrim, your class is based on the activities you do, right? I forget. Are there classes in Skyrim? No, there's just a race. Yeah. And then whatever you do, that's what you excel in. So that's another possibility, too, the way that you would choose, that yeah. you would eventually mm-hmm. be recommended a house or whatever it's called. 
a faction. Yeah, so this would be um, a good. This would be a good. Com- you could do a combination RPG open world, mm-hmm. and but uh, you would suffer penalties for uh, you would suffer you would suffer divergence points Ooh. if you uh, broke away from your faction's usual activities if you were caught. Oh yeah, why don't you tell people what the di- it's called the book is called Divergent. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell them what that means? Divergence means that you that the individual doesn't fit into one of the by prescribed uh, factions and they can fit into two, three, even all of them because they possess those characteristics. And and so you could even have your character fit into all those characteristics. And if you came out as divergent, then you would have. Then your objective would be you have to uh, prevent yourself from being discovered. But if you, but if you, and or if you fit perfectly into one, you would have to avoid displaying characteristics or acting unlike your faction. Yeah, that's right. Because that's kind of vilified in this universe. You should fit completely within one of your factions mm-hmm. or like if you even if you're growing up you have tendencies towards more than one you choose one and then you stick with it yeah it's like your your bar mitzvah <laughs> when you're the age of the bar mitzvah you have to choose which which way you're going to go and stick with it yep which me and so uh you would have uh, this so that so then once you pick you go into uh this world you become part of them and from there i can kind of foresee it becoming a bit of a um, action game going from adventure to action and that you would be able to eventually get a weapon and that's, and, uh, and your quite and your objectives will eventually either give you a weapon or give you something to defend yourself before you get to the end of the uh, book where you either have to fight or escape in some means. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, at some point the factions turn on each other. And so yeah. I guess there's different possibilities depending on who you've chosen, mm-hmm. so you what your be, role will be. Yeah. So you either get a gun if you're dauntless or you're as abnegation, you find a way to either hide in a cellar or you go uh, run away. You throw a yak at someone. <laughs> a zebu. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, your decisions, You so ultimately the objective would be to hide your divergence or, and stick to the chosen faction. If your divergence is shown, you wouldn't lose the game, but you would find yourself um, factionless. Meaning that you get you're effectively sent to live in the uh, sewers with the rest of the uh, factionless individuals, mm-hmm. and you're and you would have to work to to fit in there and form a society, but and you wouldn't be able to uh, get out in any way. But you would have but it would just sort of end on a, a low note because you'd be stuck there. But at the same time, you would have a different kind of freedom to be who you are, mm. because this is probably what this is where most people who don't fit into a single faction wind up or where uh, divergent individuals wind up. So you would have the freedom to be yourself and to uh, work with these people. And uh, and this way you would be part of the rebellion. So what's the objective? What's the? How do you win this game? I believe that well, the objective would ultimately be to uh, stop Janine. Because we're going to still keep the main bad guy. Okay. And your role would somehow eventually uh, wind up overlapping with the uh, protagonist of the story, of the actual story itself. But you would be your own protagonist until the very end when you come into contact with the uh, story's real, uh, with the story's main protagonist. Not a very fearsome name, Janine, is it? It's like I know. I'm picturing like a. Well, she's your guy. What do you expect? Well, I'm picturing like a, a fat, middle-aged woman with really curly red hair, and she's like. The, the receptionist at a middle school. Oh, I thought you were going to say receptionist at Ghostbusters. Yeah, oh, that, that's another story. We're going to talk about Ghostbusters, I promise you, next week when we have uh, 
mm-hmm. when we have uh, Edgar and Robert with us. Okay. So, ultimately, your goal would be to find the information and and uh, and and the uh, existence of factions, one way or another. Either actually, either have resolve it neutrally, keep the uh, factions from falling apart, which means killing people, or dissolving the factions entirely. And I know this this yeah, would so this only- would give lots of opportunity for like a telltale style conundrum where you're defined as this sort of a person, but oh now your your faction would do something like this, but oh that's wrong. What what would you do? Do you go do you stay with your faction and stay unnoticed by doing what they expect, or do you do the moral thing? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that would be a good way to finish it. But a lot I would I force, I would foresee a lot of moral choices in this as you attempt to conceal. Uh, your uh, moral choices, if you if they di- if they diverge from the uh, expected uh, answer. Mm-hmm. So let's see, we got a couple of others on here. Do you want to uh, do any more, or should we uh, continue this at another date where we talk about um, games we'd like to design? Uh, let's do one more each, shall we? Okay. Um, would you like to go? Okay, I'll go. Let's see what we got here. All right, so on my list, I don't want to talk about all of these because I regret putting some of these on here because I'm not smart enough to make a game out of them or I'm not familiar enough. Well, you know what? I'm actually going to pick one that I wasn't that I don't remember that well because I haven't read this book in a long time, but I think it would make for an interesting game. I have on here The Phantom Tollbooth by Norton Juster. I believe this is a favorite book of uh, Ben Chandler as well. I think it was him who mentioned that he likes this book. Do you ever read The Phantom Tollbooth? No. I've oh. never even heard of it. You oh, I have it on the shelf. You should read it. It's um, it's like a young adult book. Yeah. If you're going to the shelf, it's got a blue uh, cover. The Phantom oh, Tollbooth. Oh, I see it. There's a movie too, which we should see if we can find. It's kind of an Alice Alice's Adventures in Wonderland kind of a book. It's about. A uh, little boy who has a dog, and he's... I don't even remember how this starts. He's, like, daydreaming, or he falls asleep or something, and this gigantic phone booth appears in his yep. bedroom. And so he gets into the bedroom, the, the toll booth, and it whisks him away to uh, fantasy land, and he has to get through the fantasy land and find his way home. Mm-hmm. And he makes wacky friends and all that sort of a thing. Um, okay, I don't want to regret choosing this one, but I've, I've, I've picked it, and I'm going to stick with it. I don't remember the story all that well, but I, what I do remember is getting to a fantasy land and having to... This really does... Um, a lot. So a lot of the uh, conundrums that the boy finds himself faced with are have either to do with puns or, uh, like, stretches of logic. Uh, so... There is, for example, there is one character that he meets that is called the Math Magician, and he speaks in a lot of puns too, but he has, he, uh, I remember him doing a pun about Tuesday and how the word Tuesday, or the word Tuesday has the number two in it, but it's not, and and he's trying to argue the logic of why it's the second day of the week because it has the two in it. Um, I remember a character named the awful din <laughs> which is a din is like a really horrible sound that is just like a it, it won't relent so d j i n n d i n d i n the awful din okay i thought it was like a gin which is the that's gin. like a genie okay a gin uh what the hell else do i remember from this freaking thing my goodness why did i put this on the freaking list when i don't remember the damn book but i remember enough about the book that it was 
punny and it had these leaps of logic. And so I think that would translate very well as well, I guess, to a mist style game or to an adventure game or even just to a puzzle game, even like a hidden. It might it might do well with like a hidden object game with a bunch of like little parlor puzzles mm-hmm. in it because the progression was linear. The ooh, I know it'll I know what will uh, jog my memory. It's on the top of the uh, pile. I see it. It's hard to miss. It has this very bright blue thing. There's a, and map. a dog with a clock on it because why not? That's right. There we go. It has this awesome map inside of it, which corresponds to the different locations that you visit. Oh, I remember this one, the doldrums. <laughs> that was a, it was like a, a featureless desert that you have to get through. Boy, that's two books in a row with featureless deserts. Don't, don't <laughs> I have exciting Lies, yeah. reading tastes? Um, so the doldrums, that was like a very boring desert. And that's why it got its name because it's so boring. And so you have to keep your concentration and not get confused to make sure that you can circumvent it or get all the way through it to your next destination. Uh, what do we have here? The Sea of Knowledge, the Valley of Sound, <coughs> Digitopia, that must be where the mathematician lives. It has the numbers mine. Oh, there's a book called, there's a, there's a location called Expectations, <laughs> the Foothills of Confusion, Dictionopolis, that had a lot of uh, wordy puns as well. What a fun book this was. I got to read this damn thing again. So... Whatever, I'll cop out, and I'm just going to say that this will be like a hidden object sort of a game that will have a variety of logic puzzles. I'm sort of, um, as, as vaguely as I remember this book, I'm thinking of a game, uh, Companions of Xanth, which was sort of an adventure game, sort of a mist game, sort of a puzzle game, uh, which had lots and lots of puns and uh, non-standard solutions to puzzles and... Uh, for example, I remember Companions of Xanth. I'm sure that, that oh, that that game was based on another book series. I was going to say maybe it was influenced by this book, but I bet it might have been the other way around. Uh, that was written by Piers Anthony, I think. Um, it had a puzzle where, uh, or at least an inventory object, where there were eyeballs, and you could pick up an eyeball, and it was cold, and you could eat it, and it tasted like vanilla, and the object was called ice cream. Ugh. Yeah. Okay, whatever. I regret picking this one because I don't remember the book well enough. So, yeah. that that's 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 my game. Yeah. So I got a couple here that I'm gonna pick. I actually have three that are real that I remember quite well, and they all would make for good games. Um, but I'm gonna go with something uncommon that I think most of you probably haven't heard of. It in Japanese, it's called Fushigi Yugi, which translates into English as the Mysterious Play. I originally watched this in 1997. It was the first anime I ever watched. Subtitled, of course, because dubs sucked back in the day. And dubs, it still yeah. sucks. Dubs are for dorks. Yeah. Anyway, so... I watched this with you. Didn't we watch the whole thing? Yes. So here's the Cole's notes. There's, it's basically about... The story is essentially about a book that opens up and it takes in a selected individual. Like the... A girl who is a virgin of a certain age to be the priestess who will ultimately summon this god after she has gathered seven celestial appointed seven celestial warriors who will defend her and ultimately help her in her quest to summon the god and save the country. So there's four countries. There's four gods. The four gods are based on Chinese are based on Chinese lore. Mm-hmm. So anyways, what I foresee happening in this is 
playing as one of the original protagonists. There are four girls in the uh, story, and you would essentially play as one of them and see the story through her eyes. And I and I and although I considered a Japanese style RPG, I think it would actually be more fun as just a point and click adventure game, or even in the Telltale style. Well, it did have some combat, but interestingly, well, a lot of the combat had to do with problem solving and puzzle solving based on the personality of the opponents. Yeah, and so you could do that with the Telltale style quick time sequences. Mm-hmm. Because the uh, the stories ha- the story has is linear, but uh, I can foresee you know saying having some dialogue choice because not all but not because not all the story is obvious or is not always isn't, isn't told. There are large parts that are skipped, and so you can uh, I foresee being able to uh, dictate that and just direct it a little bit. Okay. Like ultimately, you, you, since you do, since the since the female will have to find each of these warriors, the point and click adventure style works because she has to go talk to people, find these people, encounters, and and just has to go through encounters and uh, problem solve to get to them. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly what one of the description was for any of these, but um, I know one description was uh, a fan of fire or something. And that was the description for one of the warriors that she had to find. Okay. Mm-hmm. A fan of fire? Yeah, that was part of the description in this scroll of prophecy that she had. Before she, of course, lost it because she was stupid. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this would ultimately be a good kind of adventure game like that. But mm, it would even be better if the two styles were merged to account for the combat. And so you can actually perform the combat... And have your uh, care and have your uh, warriors level up as you get them. I guess so. Well, there weren't really any filler enemies, were there? There weren't any foot soldiers or anything like that in that in that show. I thought. No, not until episodes. Uh, f- not, yeah, not near the very end. Right? Yeah, they had like maybe two episodes with some filler, but not much. And there, were, but all the enemies were were repeat, so you would fight the same people in different scenarios. Yeah. Exactly. It was kind of a street fighter sort of a thing, I guess you would say, where there was a yeah. cast of characters on both sides and they would kind of pair off and fight each other on occasion, but they mm-hmm. all had their own foibles and they all had their own kind of definition of character and you had to defeat an enemy based on what their strengths and weaknesses are because mm-hmm. you become familiar with them the more you hear about them. Yeah. And so um, if you, so the thing is, I wouldn't actually have this so you get the game over. You would just have to go back and have your character you know, practice their fighting skills or uh, have some sort of self-reflection before they can go on and fight. Oh, I like that idea, the self-reflection. Yeah, because they, cause in every case, these characters, all the characters have some sort of personal growth in some way throughout the story. Mm-hmm. So then you go back and you try again, and you get different dialogue when you succeed. Could work as an episodic game, couldn't it? Mm-hmm. Episodic. And I do, and ultimately with four unique Storylines because they're the four gir- four different girls, four different gods, four different countries. Oh, you're thinking of like the whole series. Yeah. Oh, so that's like that's like two hundred books or something, isn't it? No, it's not. How many books in all of the series put together? Uh, let's see. Um, eight. Oh, I'm thinking of uh, TV episodes because there were like fifty TV episodes. Yeah, the there were fifty-two story. episodes, but that, but yeah, because a lot of the dialogue can be accomplished just by standing still. Mm-hmm. So there's that's that. 
We still have more on this list, but I think we'll save that for another day when our guests are unable to make it. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, this was a fun little filler topic, I think. Mm-hmm. What are we at? An hour and 20 minutes. That's a pretty good time. Do we have anything else that we'd like to talk about this week? Are there any stories or anything interesting for us to mention? I don't think so. I can't really think of anything either, and I don't really want to force it. Me neither. Okay, well, hey, let's keep it short and sweet this week, shall we? Next week we'll have a, a riveting discussion at long last with uh, Edgar and and, uh, and 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 Robert. Robert, damn it, thanks. <laughs> It'll be great to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that they're the fellows from the Nostalgia Road Trip uh, podcast, which uh, we both enjoy. All right, well, what the heck. Let's uh, let's call it a day then. Okay, sounds good to me. Okay, we uh, thank you very much to Avi for uh, writing us uh, today. We really do appreciate it. We love hearing from our listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, we're always looking for feedback. We'd love to hear if you have any um, ideas for books or for other media that you le- that you would have uh, liked to turn into a game. Uh, we'd love to hear a little synopsis. Uh, what story would you pick? What story do you think would translate well to a video game? And uh, yeah, what type of you genre you see it being presented as? Yeah, exactly. And of course, if you have anything else that uh, you wanna you wanna use to uh, wind us up and hear us grind our gears about, <laughs> we always love to hear from you. Yep. So, my darling, would you like to uh, let people know how they can yap at us? Okay, if you wanna uh, yak our ears off, you can send us a recorded recorded message or a written message to us at Amy at uh, squarefm at demodulated.com. You can find our recordings and other uh, information at squarefm.demodulated.com. Or if you just want to send us 140 characters at a time, you can reach us on Twitter. We're at squarewavesfm. Oh, maybe we'll be able to send 10,000 characters at a time on Twitter. Did you hear about that? Yeah, that's stupid. That's kind of stupid. I don't know what's up with that. 10,000 characters. Why would we need that many? If you can't articulate 140 characters, you're just going to be a bunch of gibberish in 10,000 characters. Well, one thing that I thought was interesting about that, sorry to to say goodbye and then to lie about it, but Mm -hmm. um, I don't remember the name of the founder of Twitter, of the CEO, but he was the one who announced this possibility. And the way he announced it to make a point was he wrote a paragraph and a half of text or so describing what he wanted to do. He took a screenshot of it, and then he tweeted the screenshot. Because that's what a lot of people do, right, to circumvent that that restriction. So if people are already finding little hacky ways to do it... Well, I thought there was Tweet Longer as a uh, third-party tool. Yeah, it is a third-party tool. That's just it. I guess they want to keep people on their own site. That's a common thing whenever people of any sort have a... Like, whenever a company of any sort realizes that their customers are consuming their product and then also this follow-up product, why doesn't the first company take on that follow-up product as well? Mm-hmm. That's sort of what they're thinking. Anyway, we said goodbye. We don't want to be yeah. uh, hypocrites. Uh, food for thought. Oh, yes. We look at Twitter for just like little snippets. If people are posting these long things, I think I'm going to unfollow people who just rant in 10,000 characters. Yes, this is very true. So I think people might lose followers if they... Uh, if they aren't careful with how much they write. That could very well be. Although I saw a couple of things retweeted by Carrie Fisher lately. She was the actress that played uh, uh, Princess Leia in Star Wars. And to circumvent the character limits, she uses all these uh, emoji 
So, like, she'll use a, a picture of an eyeball instead of say, well, that's that doesn't exactly say the character, but instead of the word eye or, I don't know, that's a stupid example. But she'll replace a word with an emoji that is that word, but like a, a, a homonym. Mm-hmm. So that's annoying. I'd rather have someone have the opportunity to say longer words. But as you say, I'd rather... I'd rather stick with the brevity is wit school of or two hundred fifty six. Yeah, maybe that's an alternative. What do you guys think about uh, this Twitter situation? That's yep. a good. That's a good uh, launching board for a conversation, right? Yep. Let us know what you think about the possibility of extending the Twitter uh, character count. Yeah, because you always want to hear us talk more on Twitter if you don't get enough of us on a podcast. I think with that, we'll leave it at ninety minutes. Okay, sounds good. Bye, square and squareettes. Yeah, bye, dumbs and dumbettes. Love ya, see ya, bye. Beep.